0: From the Transverse Network, this is The Transgender Show, an interview program about gender discovery and self-acceptance. I'm your host, Emily. This week on the show is Elijah Walsh, a social media influencer, advocate, and educator for the LGBTQ community. Welcome to the show, Elijah Walsh.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: My favorite question to start with, how did you choose your name?
1: Oh. So, this was a name that I had always felt a deep connection with, but I didn't know why. So, I just assumed that I was going to name my child it. And I decided that around the age of 13. And uh, when I got a little bit older, a friend and I were talking, this was five years before I started transitioning. A friend and I were talking about baby names. And I said, Elijah, I, you know, I might spell it a little bit differently, regardless of sex, the sign of birth, but that's why I'm going to name my child it. And she looked at me and said, you know what? You kind of look like an Elijah. <laughs> Done. That day forward, we were actually outside of a party, we went back in the party and I announced to everybody that my name is now Elijah, you shall address me as such. And my amazing friends, being that they were, they said, okay. And all night they called me Elijah and that was it.
0: Huh. Now, how was this period in relation on the timeline to when you came out as trans?
1: This was five years before. I didn't have the language for it. I didn't realize that I was trans. Um, So I had been going as Eli for short or Elijah uh, for five years. So that I had the benefit of that because when I did come out, people didn't have to, uh, you know, get in the habit of using a new pronoun and a new name. They already had the name down Mm -hmm. five years before.
0: How old were you when you first realized that, when you first identified that, yes, transgender is what I am?
1: I was 21. I met someone at a bar who was talking about being trans. I didn't know it was a thing at 21, 32 now, 11 years ago.
0: Mm -hmm. Looking back before that in your youth, what were the signs for you that led you to this or that once you um, realized that you were trans and you could kind of trace those breadcrumbs back?
1: I think there were a lot, um, but because it was always pushed under the rug, I can't, I can't really put my thumb on all of them, but just looking back at pictures, even now to this day, I'm looking, I'm like, how did nobody know? I do have a video recording of, uh, do you remember the Flintstones? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They were uh, Bam Bam and Pebbles, and I swore that I was Bam Bam. I wanted to be Bam Bam. I refused to put a shirt on, so they have a video recording of me running around with a plastic bag just screaming Bam Bam. I tried to cut my hair in a bowl cut. It was terrible. (laughs) But my father was in the background, and you could hear my dad saying, any other little girl would think that she's Pebbles. But this one, and I think I was either four or five at that age, uh, and I I. You know, I asked my parents to change my name multiple times growing up, and there was there were always unisex names. Um, yeah, but they just, you know, oh, you're just a tomboy. Uh, I was classified as a lesbian before I even came out. So I think there were a bunch of signs that just didn't know what they were or added up to just yet.
0: So you mentioned that you met a trans man in a bar, and that was kind of what made it all click for you. Was there an adjustment period or something around that time? in coming to terms with the fact that you were trans not
1: really maybe the two hours there that i was at the bar um <laughs> with him that was really it it was such an exciting moment for me that i uh, you know i thought that every masculine lesbian wanted a beard and loved being misgendered and wanted to be seen as a guy i just i thought that was normal because that's how i felt uh but when i met him and he was talking about his story and how aligned I felt with it and the things that he was feeling and going through i was it was incredible it was it was like a weight off my shoulder is really how i felt that my my wife uh now was there at the bar and i went running to her excited to tell her that i think that i'm trans really and there just that two hours i was like oh i'm not just a lesbian okay cool no i'm a, I'm, a, I'm a man that makes sense mm-hmm.
0: So you had, really your, you had your egg crack, you had it scrambled and cooked up, and you were done and ready to go in two hours.
1: A month later, I had my first appointment at the doctor. I was that short.
0: So you had the woman who would become your wife there with you, and you ran straight over to her once you figured this out. Uh, you, I'm assuming you were already in a relationship? Yep. And. What was that conversation like and what were the subsequent conversations like? How did you two kind of come to terms with it together and and how did it affect your relationship?
1: She is an incredible human. I mean somebody that I I knew when coming to her with that information, I was excited. I knew how she was going to react just with the excitement of support with me because I knew that she loved me and she was such an, she's such an open, supportive person. And this is, this is somebody who is Cisgendered and would have considered herself to be heterosexual prior to meeting me she Mm -hmm. met me at a lesbian bar she was there with some friends it was very unintentional um had never been with somebody that was female presenting prior to so i already knew that you know going into it that she was kind of up for whatever because of that so i really i came to her and she just said okay i can we look into this a little bit and we spent we were up I think until like four a.m. Just doing some research, and she turned to me and said, "Do you want me to make the phone call for you?" Because I have a little bit of social anxiety. She you knew. She said, "Do you want me to make the phone call for you tomorrow?" And she's been incredible.
0: Um, going back to your new friend at the bar, were you able no. to stay in contact with him? I know that you mentioned in our pre-interview you didn't have a particular role model or confidant. Um, so no, you weren't able to keep that going, huh?
1: I didn't know how much of an impact he was making on my life that night mm-hmm. no uh, and he told me about the Mazzoni center which is the lgbt clinic that i ended up going to in mm-hmm. philadelphia um but that that was it i honestly i couldn't even tell you his name which i feel terrible about mm-hmm. but i didn't know how much of an impact he really made on me that day
0: so now getting to your coming out story um, you know, people do it in, in all kinds of different ways, individual conversations, a Facebook post, an email. How did you go about having those conversations?
1: Uh, when I came out as trans, it, most of my family received an email. My entire family, we're not very close to begin with. We never were. You know, it was on par for us in our relationship. And I felt like that was the best way to tell them without having to be there for their immediate reaction to give them time to process before Mm -hmm. responding if they wanted to. So the majority of them got that. My mother, father, and sister all received a text message. Uh, and I, and I know that sounds a little wild, but that is close for, for our relationship, a text message. They didn't get the email. So, um, they each got that. Now it's funny because my, my wife and her family, they got me going to the party that was only a few days later, screaming about it at the top of my lungs out of pure excitement because our family is incredible. And I knew that. So, but my, my mom, dad, and sister, uh, the ones that were closest, they got text. Mm-hmm. And that's what I felt comfortable doing.
0: And how did that go over? Was there any particular reaction? to that method uh, or um, giving people uh, most of the people in your family that email and that time to process before having a direct conversation do you feel that that really helped
1: I think it did I think it did um, you know I, I heard stories months later years later about how they really felt when they got it um, when they got the email so the, most people actually didn't respond at all uh, which was fine i my grandmother, however, sent me a card in the mail. She didn't respond back to the email, but she sent me a card. And it was funny because the card had flowers on it and it looked really nice and pretty. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. But I opened it up and she basically said that, you know, I was an abomination to the family. And uh, it, it was not a pretty note in a very pretty card. Um, I think that was the best decision, though, that I could have made was through an email with these uh, family members I wasn't really close to to begin with. I I also think it was a good decision for, you know, my mom, my dad, and my sister, my father. Now, he said to me, finally, son, when I said, I think I'm trans and I'm going to start on hormone therapy, which sounds great, but he's also the type of man who will say anything to make anybody happy in that moment. And so he's kind of hard to gauge
0: anyway how did the the relationships work out after that were you able to maintain much of a relationship with that grandmother and how was it maintained with your immediate family
1: so in the in the beginning you know i i listened to everyone's concerns worries opinions and so forth i i really i listened i didn't know a ton there was not a ton of informational resources at the time um And so I did the best that I could to help educate them about, you know, the way that I was feeling, what I was going to be doing, what that was going to look like. Um, And it was a lot of me trying to teach and them shutting their ears off. Um, And my grandmother in the very beginning was very hesitant. This is the one that sent me the card. However, and this is going to be a nice story, about two to three years into my transition, she's very uh, traditional in her her ways. She believes that, you know, when we come over and all the women in the family stay in the kitchen, the men go out and watch football and do, you know, clean up and things like that. When I walked in immediately, she looked at me and she said, hey, can you take out the trash? Which to me in this family was very, you know, that was... Seen as a man, when I walked in and I had a job to do, I had Mm -hmm. a chore to do. So that was that was fantastic, and really, um, most of the family just kept their mouths shut about it because they knew that I was excited about it, and uh, I wouldn't have backed down by anything for anything until Trump got um, elected, and and some other you know relationships fell down because of that. But
0: do you feel like that was more? because um, they were em- now emboldened like the- a lot of the country was to to say to stand up and say no I'm against this or it was just purely the political leanings and people saying that they were for for this person that um, you know for all intents and purposes was strongly against um, <laughs> everything that we stand for
1: <laughs> of the very few conversations that I've had with some of them uh, they all tend to surround uh, the bathroom bills that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, questions of, of whether or not trans people should use the bathroom of their gender. And so, and they would go back to that and and say that they will continue to vote for people who will not allow me equal rights. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of what, what dug it in there for me. I've been spoken to my mother or my grandmother, in now about three, maybe four years, because I was older and I was I was completely independent. and I felt like I was very secure in my decision to start therapy and my realization of who I was. Uh, their opinions really didn't phase me. I think too because we weren't very close. That you know, my uncle said to me, "I'll never see you as a man," and I said to him, "Then don't see me at all." And it was very simple for me because i was always going to do what was going to make me happy it wasn't affecting them but it was going to affect my life entirely and so i made that clear
0: what other realms were you in that you had to come out to were you in school or um, I'm, i know you had a job mm-hmm. i was in school and working okay and how did those those different areas go and uh, what were some of those conversations like
1: I've got stories of both, but you know, at school, I I made it very clear because I, although I had socially changed my name five years before transition, Mm not legally do it until a few years into it. And so when I was, uh, starting my hormone therapy, I would go into school on the first day and go to my professors and say, Hey, I know what name is on there. And I, I've always been very uh, loud about my transition. Not everyone is. And that's fantastic. But I would easily say to them, I'm trans and uh, I know that's my legal name, but can you call me something else? And so school, uh, I didn't have a bad experience with that either. I think being very upfront with a big smile on my face about it, really setting the tone of coming out to all these people and letting them know you know, who they've got in their class helped a lot uh, at work. It was the same thing. I, I learned with coming out for the fourth time on this one um, that I really set the tone. And so when I came out to everybody, I came out with complete excitement, and that's what I received majority of the time back.
0: Mm-hmm. So you uh, mentioned it, and you had um, alluded to it in our pre-interview. Um, what were the four times coming out?
1: First time was bisexual, and then lesbian, because I didn't understand the split attraction model, and then trans, and then bi again. <laughs>
0: So it was a nice cycle. You went, you went all the way around. Yeah. Nice. Yeah.
1: No, I just took up the entire rainbow. It was great.
0: <laughs> so you're just you're just going through the um the LGBT flag and just going, okay, that one and that one and that yeah. one and that one.
1: <laughs> Checking them off. Checking up I all got the boxes. A couple more to go.
0: <laughs> you're you're just trying to fill up the punch card to get the free one, right? Did you have someone that supported you, or you know, was was it on your side in a way that you weren't expecting?
1: Not really. Honestly, I I think that there was the surprise that I felt were um, it came from people that I didn't know that were of older generations. Uh, I I still because I know it doesn't sound like very long ago, but uh, 11 years ago, there wasn't as much awareness or visibility of trans people. And what, you know, the majority of people knew that they've seen it you know, on television and uh, movies were not the best depiction of trans people. So it always kind of surprised me when uh, older people that didn't know me were supportive. Um, and that was just, you know, co-workers and things like that.
0: What was your experience in trying to find community once you were out as a trans person and, um, you know, finding uh, people that understood what you were going through and had been through similar things?
1: You know, that was tough. That was really tough for me. Um, I had, uh, I was on YouTube searching for people who were transitioning um, female to male just to look for Some guidance and really what i found were just a a couple guys who were a few months ahead of me and these were people on youtube and i i tried reaching out to uh both of them there were really only two and never got back uh there was a gsa group in my college um that i attended but i was the only trans person there uh i did know of a few trans women uh but that still didn't feel like home for me Mm -hmm. um it was it was really tough and um and so that's a big reason why i started what i started in social media because i wanted to create that that space that i never had
0: mm-hmm. and did you find that kind of creating that space brought those brought more people to you that have helped you or have you just been kind of blazing your own trail and um you know making your own way
1: i really think i i was blazing my own trail here i mean i eh. Even through the social media itself, I I started doing it at a point in my life where I felt like I kind of got it figured out for the most part. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really seeking guidance anymore. I wanted to be the person that that you could go to. You know, transitioning and delving right into it was really like diving into the unknown, Mm -hmm. into deep waters of not being able to see. At least it was for me, you know, a decade ago. And um, so a lot of it was just, doing it on my own and and hoping for the best. And so now I've created a place where nobody else really feels like that.
0: That's wonderful. Do you feel that, so um, first off, where were you in your transition when you felt like you were at that point where you kind of had everything figured out enough to be able to help and guide others?
1: Probably around the five or six year mark. Okay. um, For me,
0: And so you didn't feel like you needed a whole lot extra but in doing this did you find that either through the connections you made or just in doing this sort of like a self-therapy thing as you're trying to figure out the things to say and Mm -hmm. the the things to mean did you find that that helped you in any significant way
1: oh absolutely i'm still learning every day uh you know it's a lot of things that i thought before um you know, turn out to be untrue or there's more information to point to a different direction. I'm still learning all the time. And uh, when I, when I was talking about community, I was just thinking specifically about uh, trans people who are like me, Mm -hmm. but there's still, there's an entire realm of humans that teach me every day too.
0: What were some of your key fears when you started transitioning and how have you overcome those?
1: I had a lot. Like I said, I was diving into the unknown, so I was afraid that, you know, um, that nobody else would understand that I was going to go at it pretty much alone, that I wouldn't be able to find a community, that my wife may not find me attractive anymore, that she might fall out of love with me, that, um, you know, I, I would be the only trans person in my group of friends forever. There were a lot of fears, a lot of the unknowns of of long-term hormone therapy, what that was going to be doing to my body, there were a lot, a lot of fears. Majority of them have been overcome just by experiencing it and going through it and being like, no, it's fine. I'm fine.
0: That's it. Okay. <laughs> Are your TikTok videos and, you know, and the stuff that you're doing there, do those end up being sort of a therapy for you?
1: Yeah. Yeah, they do. And being able to... um you know, when I when I go to answer questions, I don't immediately hit reply and start recording. Mm. Um, I really think about it, and I really think about the best way to word things. And in doing that, I spend a lot of time uh, doing my own research to make sure that I'm saying the right thing, that I'm not providing incorrect information. Um, and that's really helpful And being able to talk with people who are... Experiencing things that I went through and having kids who, who are experiencing something that I've been through to be able to help with that. Helping others is really the best therapy for me.
0: Do you have any times where you are hesitant um, to answer a question or you answer a question and maybe you learn some other information or think about it in a different way? Um, how do you deal with, with those? Do you have any regrets on anything that you've put out there?
1: I don't think i have any regrets because i i i truly believe that we you know evolve and we grow as as we learn more and that's the whole point of this life is to continue learning to continue progressing so i don't have any regrets i do try to um step back from questions that i get that i don't feel like i should i have the place to answer mm-hmm. uh, i get questions often about people who are non-binary or gender fluid and i don't identify as either as much as i think I understand about uh you know that I could never fully understand and people who um are male to female I can't I can't explain on that either uh, there are there have been a few times where I've said something and learned more about it and wish that I had elaborated further with with the research but I didn't have it at the time
0: you've mm-hmm. actually taken it a step further and you're going to school to learn to be a therapist correct
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yes. Um, What kind of pushed you in that direction? And what are you hoping to um, gain from that and to do in the future?
1: So when I first started on hormone therapy, one of the things that was required prior to getting my first prescription was uh, seeing a gender therapist. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know, you know, what that was going to be for me. And my gender therapist was amazing. They were somebody who Asked me the questions that um, really got me thinking, but only solidified it further that it was the right decision for me. They also made sure that I had a support system, that I was cognitively aware of what I was doing because transitioning goes beyond just your physical body. It's it's a mental thing as well. And so um, that was really the first time that I I thought to myself, well, I want to be that person one day. It took me ten years to to get in, to actually start doing it, but uh, here I am.
0: <laughs> How have your goals shifted as you've moved along your transition? Has that happened?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think when you when you first start transitioning, um, your goals are, you know, finally feeling comfortable in your body, having the world see you the way that you've always seen yourself um, reaching the milestones in puberty, reaching the milestones in, um, hormone levels, where you want them to be, um, uh, top surgery, any, any sort of thing like that. And so the goal was have really progressed over time, depending on where I was. Um, you know, I didn't get top surgery until seven years after I started on hormone therapy. Wow. And that was right around the same time that I, I legally changed my name and so those were major goals. And then it was after that, okay, now I need to get my body in the best shape that I want it to be. Still working on that one, but I'll get there.
0: What is it that you do in, on, in your life on a daily basis to find validation, to find that those moments where you're like, totally live into your identity and really feel Eli? Um.
1: I mean, I I do find validation in in validating others. I think that really gives me um, a very big euphoric moment. But in addition to that, when people don't know that I'm trans and um, and uh, they treat me like they would anybody else. And then when I tell them that I'm trans, they still treat me the same.
0: What forms of dysphoria do you still struggle with at these at this point?
1: At this point it's it's few and far between. Uh, you know I that's one of the things that, yeah, I didn't have much dysphoria until I started on a hormone therapy, and then you know, then all of a sudden, I was worried about my height. I was worried about hair on my chest. I was worried about things that I have uh, since then kind of gotten over. If I am feeling dysphoric nowadays, it is something um, that has to do with my body. I'm more bottom heavy. don't love it but it's again something that i you know usually just don't care and i and i spend a lot of time um looking at cisgender men's bodies and realizing that i'm not so out of the norm um but really that's that's pretty much it at this point which is great
0: what do you feel you've been able to accomplish because you've transitioned
1: you know, the only thing that I can really think of is being able to um, really talk to people who maybe otherwise wouldn't have talked to me about this. Um, I, you know, we live in such a disassuming society. Everyone just you know assumes that the people that we meet and and see are cisgendered, and and that is one of the privileges that I have that I think people assume that I'm cisgender, and with that, I am able to almost shock educate people when they find out that I'm trans because I'm not quiet about it. Mm-hmm. And because they've already gotten to know me, I am able to, um, talk to them about it where I, I, maybe if they had known right off the bat, they wouldn't have felt so comfortable to ask me questions to go into, you know, um, cause they, they already know me and they know that I'm not going to judge them or, or get angry about it. I think one of the things I'm able to do now is have conversations that I wouldn't have
0: before. Hmm. Going back to what you had said before, with family members supporting um, supporting either bathroom bills or legislators that are pushing that kind of stuff, um, mm-hmm. how how do you handle those conversations? Because as a cis woman, or as, as cis woman, as a trans woman, I am the person that most people are thinking of when they want to pass these bathroom bills. Um, yeah do you feel like you have a lot of power to persuade people in those arguments because of the implications of having you in a women's bathroom?
1: Unfortunately. Yeah. And I, I also realize that uh, these bathroom bills are not geared towards me. And so I think using my voice and, and visibility and, and saying, Hey, you know, you, you don't always know when someone's trans and, and a, a lot of that stems from misogy- misogynistic, sexist, you know, rhetoric that that maybe they don't even realize that they're doing. Um, and so when I'm able to step up and say, you know, you're you can't you can't always know, and and so that's I try to use my voice for good. I'm very aware. all the privileges that I have, uh, especially in this body as a white man, you know, in this world that I try to use it for good.
0: Mm -hmm. And have you noticed a significant change in how you're perceived and how you're listened to because you are a man now?
1: Absolutely. It's, uh, I no longer um, feel like I have to earn respect. I feel like it is given to me. Uh, simply because I'm a man, um if I'm not questioned nearly as much um, there's it is it's really wild how I'm treated now from how I was you know treated for twenty one years.
0: As we start to wrap up this section, um what do you what is your favorite thing that you've learned on your journey?
1: I have learned about the my favorite thing really is learning about all the different ways that you can be human and, and what that looks like and what it doesn't look like and how just uh, so many variables are, are in place. And um, I love that.
0: What advice do you have then to pass on to young or closeted trans people out there?
1: Oh, that's always tough um it is scary but hopefully it's worth it and um most of the time it is worth it to truly be you whatever form that looks like um you know i was i've always been happy but i didn't know and i i didn't know peace and joy the way that i know it now and it was a bit of a struggle at first but i would do it a million times over And so um, I I think just hearing those words hopefully helps somebody just take a breath. And and one of the things that I, I say often in my lives is, do it scared. Yeah, it's scary. Then do it scared.
0: Elijah, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and being so open and providing so much insight.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This was a blast, actually. This is great.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Transgender Show from the Transverse Network. Watch this show live Tuesday nights at Twitch.tv/theTransverse. You can also find it and our other great shows at YouTube.com/theTransverse. Be sure to follow our guest Elijah on TikTok at elijahhh471. If you love what we're doing and want to support the Transverse and get access to exclusive content, you can do so by visiting Patreon.com/theTransverse.